Okay, well, tonight I'm going to attempt to wrap up this series on what's love got to do with it. But if I don't wrap it up, it's okay, because I have another plan. If I don't wrap it up, I'm going to give you an assignment. I'm going to give you an assignment anyway. It's an easy one. You don't have to do any writing. It's, it's not hard. Um, and then we will finish it sometime, probably in December, actually, when we have another What's On Your Mind. So we'll just press the pause button on it if I don't finish it tonight because I don't want to rush through it because it's too important a subject matter. Fair enough? Okay. So, where we left off last week, and I'm going to go to exactly where we left off, turn with me to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 31. And the reason we're turning there is because all through this we have learned so much, and I have given you so much scripture. And, you know, the last, I've been having you and John quite a bit, so we're just going to go right back there. And we're going to look at a scripture that shows us once again that our Heavenly Father and Jesus actually indwell us. And this is very important because all through this, you know, I keep sharing with you and scripture keeps telling us over and over again how we are supposed to love one another and how we're supposed to walk in love. And, you know, you hear Christians say this all the time. You know, you're supposed to walk in love, walk in love. And people do not always want to be authentic enough or clear enough to share that that is not always easy to do. And it's something that, okay, I'm going to use this analogy. You know how some people really enjoy a cup of coffee and other people just can't stand the taste of it at all? And you will hear people say, well, you, you acquire a taste for it. You know, if you drink coffee, you know, depending upon what you're job is sometimes they offer coffee all the time you know so you just kind of acquire a taste for it well to me when it comes to truly walking in love you acquire the habit and you must exercise your faith to get to that point and people sometimes make it just seem like oh they're just you know super saints and oh they just arrived at this and oh they're just no okay <laughs> you can be the most wonderful person in the world, you are going to have to exercise your faith to be able to be successful at it. Because, of course, you're going to be loving to your family, loving to your friends, you know, loving to people that you care about and like. But some of those people that really get on your very last nerve, it's not easy to do. But we are capable of doing it. Because if we were not, then it wouldn't have been a command given to us by God because the character of God we know is loving and he would not ask us to do something that he didn't equip us to do. Fair enough? So with that said, let's look at, I'm going to share this scripture with you, John 14, starting with verse 19 out of the Amplified Translation. And it says, after a little while, the world will no longer see me. Now this is Jesus speaking here, okay? But you will see me because I live, you live also. On that day, when that time comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you, am in you. The person who has my commandments and keeps them 
is the one who really loves me. Now, let's pause here. Love, you hear it said, and you've hear, heard me say it a lot. Love is an action word. We cannot sit up and talk about how, oh, we just love the Lord. Oh, Father, I just love you and all the rest of this if we're not displaying or showing any type of love because God is love. And since he already indwells you and we have read, read I don't know how much scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, sharing that, something is missing. And the whole purpose of this series is to get us to take true, authentic looks into our own lives, into our own actions, and see what we can do, what we can tweak to make sure that, in fact, we are operating to the best of our ability completely in love. Okay, so back to this. Verse 21. The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Judas, not Iscariot, asked him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, teaching, and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. One who does not really love me does not keep my words. And the word teaching, which you hear, is not mine, but is the Father's who sent me. I have told you these things while I am still with you, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, troubled nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. You heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you really loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going back to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does take place, you may believe and have faith in me. I will not speak with you much longer, for the ruler of the world, Satan, is coming, and he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me, but so that the world may know without any doubt that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me, and act in full agreement with him. Get up, let us go from here. Now that to me is just, it's giving us again instruction but all through this it is letting us know unequivocally that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit the whole entire Godhead where are they they dwell within us so if they dwell within us then we are capable of in fact being loving and the thing that's so important to me when you really think about this is we know that we reap what we sow. So if we are, in fact, operating in love, and if we are loving, what does that mean? It means we're going to do what? Get that back. Now, sometimes I don't think people always realize what you do today always affects your tomorrow. 
And sometimes you will see people who are, you know, maybe they're a little bit older and it seems like nobody cares about them, nobody checks on them, nobody does anything, and they just seem like cranky people and you can't figure out what's going on with them. Why do you think that is? I don't think that that's happenstance. Now, I know this is not stuff people like to talk about, but then again, that's why I get the assignment. Okay, I think the reason why is because maybe, well, who knows, maybe in their youth or in younger days, they weren't necessarily sowing such loving seeds. So the harvest that they're reaping is not necessarily the Folgers commercial that they were looking forward to. That's not what they're getting because they are eating the fruit of the seed that they planted. So it makes sense. Even if you don't want to look at it from a spiritual standpoint, just common sense. You want to be loving because you want all the days of your life to be filled with love and joy. You know, I mean, and he's provided it for us, but we just have to make sure that we're doing our part. Amen? Okay. So if we look at this in the message, it says it a little bit different. This, again, remember, is Jesus speaking, and he says, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. The person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and make myself plain to him. Now I'm going to pause here again because this is very important and we don't always look at it. Yes, you can be born again. That's wonderful. You can be spirit filled. That's wonderful. And you don't have to do anything other than that and then you stay in that same place. And that's a mistake that a lot of Christians make. We need to become disciples, which means we need to become followers of the word. When you're a follower of the word, you're giving you're welcoming the Godhead that is within you. You're allowing that Godhead that is within you to actually blossom and grow in every aspect of your life. And when you do that, you will find that everything you do in life is so much easier. But what happens is there are people, I promise you, who are in churches. There are even people who go to word churches who do not understand that the power of the Godhead is within them. They know about the Godhead. They know that he exists, but they don't know that that Godhead lives and dwells within them. When you know that, it's a totally different story. There will not be any challenge that you're presented with that will even make you have any concern because you know you've already got the victory. You know that you always are going to win. As long as you do what? You have to invite him. You have to allow him. You have to choose to keep his commandments. Now, again, I had given you last week, um, you know, we all know, we've all heard where we may have lived in a household of our parents or lived in a household or we may have even said it to our own children, when you're in my house, you're going to follow my rules. Okay, well, it's pretty much the same thing. We're in the kingdom of God. So being in the kingdom of God, we need to operate in the principles of the kingdom. Now, that's a choice. We don't have to. Just like if your parents told you that your curfew was... 2 o'clock or 12 o'clock or whatever it was and you better not come in after that time. Well, if you have my parents, if you came in after that time you might be trying to figure out how you were going to get in because the point is you're supposed to be in at that time. Well, God is more merciful 
okay, the natural parents, but the point remains the same in that if you want to be able to know when your body is under attack that you know you win and you have healing. You want to know when your bills come in, you know that they are paid. You want to know that every single thing in your life is flowing and operating the way it's supposed to. It will as long as you what? You're operating in the kingdom principles. But what happens is sometimes people hear all that, sounds good, okay, that's great, but then they still want to do whatever it is that they want to do and, and think it's okay. Well, no, not really. You have to go ahead and discipline yourself, exercise your faith, and operate in kingdom principles. And that's why he's saying that very, very clearly here. So Judas, not Iscariot, again, questions him in verse 22 and says, Master, why is it that you are about to make yourself plain to us but not to the world? And here's Jesus' answer. Because a loveless world, said Jesus, is a sightless world. If anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word and my father will love him. We'll move right into the neighborhood. Not loving me means not keeping my words. The message you are hearing isn't mine. It's the message of the father who sent me. Press the pause button again. So in other words, that means that if we decide that we're just going to blatantly lie, or if we're going to be gossipers, or if we're going to be people who are not loving to our brethren, or if we're going to give, it can get down to the point of we're going to come into church and we're not even going to speak to people because eh, I don't really like them that much, so I'm just going to bypass them and go around <laughs> the other way. Or if the ushers ask me to sit in a certain place, oh, I'm not doing that because I want to do so-and-so, so why am I going to listen to them? I'll just go over here. All of those little things are not what our Father commanded us to do. So, you see, when you do things like that, it's okay. That's your choice. You've give, been given a free will. But understand that when you do that, you're opening up the door. You're opening up the door for the enemy to come in and say, Oh, good. I can go ahead and attack them because they're not on their, they're not they're at their A game. They're not doing everything they're supposed to do. They don't really know whose they are because they're not operating in the kingdom principle. So this is perfect, perfect, perfect opportunity for me to pounce on them. Why do you think the scripture says that the enemy is always looking to see whom he may devour? It specifically says that because he's roaming around looking to see who he can do that mm -hmm. to. If you're somebody who is strong and you are working with the kingdom principles and you're making it a choice to operate in them and you really are walking in a love you have a love walk you're just loving to people he's he can't he it's like it's a barrier i always say love trumps everything okay it's like no matter what the situation is grace yes is the solution to any kind of conflict that you have but love trumps it all nobody is going to <laughs> They can't get through that. They can't get through that force of love. So if you're loving and you're operating in that, I'm telling you, you will always win. Amen. It's just, it's a guarantee. It's just a guarantee. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to this. Starting with, okay, verse 25. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's important. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to be. 
being left, excuse me, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. You've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm on the way to the Father because the Father is the goal and purpose of my life. And it should be of ours, right? I've told you this ahead of time before it happens, so that when it does happen, the confirmation will deepen your belief in me. I'm not talking with you much more like this because the chief of this godless world is about to attack. But don't worry, he has nothing on me, no claim on me. But so the world might know how thoroughly I love the Father, I am carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the last detail. Get up, let's go, it's time to leave here. So the question of love being the foundation of what we believe as Christians, it's shown all throughout <coughs> scripture. As you can see, I really so far have not provided you much comment of my own, but merely I've shared the word to illuminate this point. And I'm really quite comfortable and very confident with doing this because the word is and should always be the final authority in our lives. So that's why I choose to use the word. Now, as I mentioned earlier, faith and love are definitely connected, no question. I am quite aware, like I had said at the onslaught of tonight, that it is not easy to live in this world and constantly walk in love as we should. And there is so much that is going on. I mean, there are even people who are... How can I put this? There are even people who are in the family of God that we are now in a position where some of us are questioning what others of us believe, even when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. Meaning some people support and agree with some of the things that are going on in this world and others do not and find it very, very difficult. But we have to stop and wonder, how do we handle that? Is this just another way that the enemy is using to cause a faction or a chasm within the body of Christ? So it's just something else that we have to be mindful of and we have to guard ourselves against because it is something that is clearly, clearly going on. Okay, I'll leave that alone, but I think you get my point. I mean, come on. Again, why do I get these assignments? I don't know why he has me telling you all this stuff, but whatever. It's just, anyway. Okay, so back to this. <laughs> However, we do know that because the God that we serve would never command us to do anything that we're incapable of doing, I said that before, we simply have to exercise our faith and realize something else that I don't think Christians always consider. It is an extremely important point that can affect our understanding of who we are in the kingdom. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and we're just going to look at verses 14 and 15. This is really simple. 2 Corinthians the fifth chapter and we're going to look at verses 14 and 15 and I'm going to share it with you quickly out of the Amplified and it says for the love of Christ controls and compels us because 
we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that all those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for their sake. Now that is nice, and it needs to be broken down a little bit more to me. So if we look at it in the Living Bible, it says, are we insane to say such things about ourselves? If so, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Whatever we do, it is certainly not for our own profit, but because Christ's love controls us now. Since we believe that Christ died for all of us, we should also believe that we have died to the old life we used to live. He died for all so that all who live having received eternal life from him might live no longer for themselves, to please themselves, but to spend their lives pleasing Christ who died and rose again for them. That is the point. Many people look at their salvation for all that's in it for them. We do share and tell them that they do have a benefits package, so to speak, that comes along with your salvation. So it's a little bit more than just escaping hell, which is a wonderful thing. But we don't stop there. We are here as believers, not for ourselves, not for our own profit, not for what pleases us, not for what we want to do. We are here to fulfill the purpose that God created us to fulfill. And that's where a lot of people don't have any idea about it. Now, I'm going to read this to you out of the message where it says, That keeps us vigilant. You can be sure. It's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do. Everyone we meet. We, oh, I'm sorry. This is me. Okay. God alone knows, knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would make you feel good, proud even, that you're on, that we're on your side and not just nice to your face as so many people are. If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted overly serious, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to much extremes. His love was the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. But that is the key. We, we no longer belong to just ourselves. You know, meaning that's why I, I appreciate what a pastor, Roy Hook, Roy Hicks, I, I learned this from him like 30 some odd years ago, when he said, earth is the only heaven a sinner will ever know. And earth is the only hell a Christian will ever know. And when you think about that, 
you know, for people who are not born again and they're out in the world and they're doing whatever they want and they're dropping it like it's hot and having their Hennessy and whatever they do, I mean, hey, it is fun, sin is fun, that is their heaven. However, for those of us who believe, we're royalty. And with royalty, you know, I, it's funny, the things that I find interesting. I find it so interesting when you find out that the people across the pond who actually are considered royalty in this world to the people of the world, do you know they have so many rules and things that they, what they can't do, what they can't wear, and I mean, I mean, they could never get away with this fingernail polish because they have to only wear, they have like three that they can wear that is very like nude almost in looking. They can't, if they go anywhere, now this I do think is interesting because I like the color black, so it works for me. But when they travel, they have to have a completely black outfit because the queen, once upon a time, had gone away on holiday and somebody had passed away. And when she was coming off the plane, she had on her holiday gear. And she was saying, that's horrible. She should have had on black for the somberness of the moment. So whenever they travel, they have to have all black in case something like that happens. The point I'm making to you is, they have tons of rules and regulations. If you go to a state dinner or something and the queen is there, when she's finished eating, everybody's eating, which means if you are having the most wonderful chocolate cake you ever tasted and she decides it's time to stop eating, you have to forego that chocolate cake because the queen has spoken. All I'm saying to you is they have all of these different rules and regulations, but yet and still, we're in a kingdom we're in the kingdom of God, which is it usurps all of that stuff with, across the pond. But yet and still, we don't even know or operate sometimes in the rules and regulations of our kingdom. And that's why we have to find out what they are so that we don't have any challenge at all with doing it. And then we can just live a wonderful life because we don't have any concerns at all because our Heavenly Father, who is the head of our kingdom, okay, he takes care of everything. And I don't mind being taken care of. So I'll just go ahead and do what it is I'm supposed to do and be royalty and put on my royal garments and just flow with it. I think that's what we should all do, right? Makes sense to me. It's a lot easier. So anyway, Jesus, of course, is the perfect example of everything it is that we need to do. So that's the other thing. God loved us so much that he gave us perfection that we can actually emulate in Jesus. We simply just have to go ahead and exercise our faith and realize whose we are and what that requires of us. Turn with me to Galatians. Galatians, the second chapter in the 20th verse. Galatians 2, the 20th verse. And we're going to look at it first in the New Living Translation, and it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Living Bible says pretty much the same thing. The only thing is, I like how it says, and the real life I now have within this body is a result of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if we look at it in the Amplified Classic Edition, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. Here's the qualifier. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When you think about it, wasn't that wonderful? Yeah, well, that's the Amplified Classic. That's not even just the Amplified Love the Amplified Classic, too. The thing that's really something, when we consider the fact, oh, how we love Jesus, we can all say that. Look at what he did. He literally gave his life for us. Is it that challenging for us to try to go ahead and, and do what we're supposed to by operating in his kingdom? I mean, don't you think that's like the least we could do? I think so. If we look at it in the message, it says, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God. And it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identify myself completely in him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you <laughs> or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. It is not clear to you, if it is not clear to you, that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free and my relationship with God I refuse to do that to repudiate God's grace if a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping then Christ died unnecessarily and that's the whole point so I don't want you to get the impression when I'm saying we have to exercise our faith and learn to walk in love that it's a matter of a check mark where, okay, I spoke nicely to the person on the train, okay, I can check that off. I went to work, I was nice to the people there, I can check that off. No, that's not it. It's a mindset. It's like being covenant-minded. When you are covenant-minded and you go to the doctor and he gives you an evil report, the natural man, the old you, will sit there and go by what he says on that report and start getting concerned because he's telling you to be concerned. A covenant-minded person sits there, they hear what the doctor is saying, but they then refer to the word and refer to the covenant and the relationship they have with the God that is dwelling within them. And he says that we are the healed of the Lord. So then we just know, okay, we've got to make sure we're doing whatever it is that we're supposed to do. And we know that God has already provided for us. We'll make sure we're doing, I'm not telling you if the doctor says, here, take this medication, you just throw it out and don't bother. That's, that's faith, foolishness, and presumption. That's foolishness, okay? Because the medication is just merely a tool to help your body mend itself. The healing comes from God. All of the medication, all of the procedures, all of that stuff that you have being done 
to your physical flesh, that's not healing. Those are just procedures and those are just medications which are tools. Just like a toothbrush is a tool, your comb for your hair is a tool, okay? But the healing has already been bought and paid for. And if you're covenant-minded, you automatically start thinking that way and operating that way. When you see bills come in, you don't start fretting and start worrying because worrying is that fear and faith can't operate the same space. And you already know that if you're covenant-minded, so you don't even enter into any kind of fear you just like Jesus you got mail handle it tell me what it is I need to do and I'll go ahead and be obedient you change how you think because why your life what we just read it it does not belong to you so it's not about what you want okay I personally would love being on a cruise right now I'm serious okay that would be so nice I could just sit there I could have the waves just coming up. I could just read. I would just, oh, man, it would be wonderful if I had a black card and could just go shop, 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 and just shop until I just didn't feel like shopping anymore. That's what Iva would like to do, but that is not what God, who gives Iva the breath to breathe, wants me to do. So where am I at? I'm here sharing this time with you. The point being is my life is not my own and I know that I got that now for me I'm content with that because guess what nobody takes care of me better than him so therefore I don't have a challenge I will do what it is that he instructs me to do and I'm not about to veer away from that because I've already been there done that know how that works and I don't even want to enter into that I don't want that pressure I don't I would just rather be obedient and go ahead and do what it is that he tells me to do because I have definitely, definitely done the other, the latter. doesn't work so well. Okay, so with that, <laughs> what we as believers should know is our sole desire should always be to please God because think about it. He is our creator, our provider, our healer, our comforter, our master, our shepherd, our help in the time of trouble, our advocate, our peace, and we could go on all night with all of the different things that he is. So with that being said, our sole desire as a believer should be to please him. Now here's something else that I thought about. I don't know if everybody else has thought about it. Oftentimes we look at people such as Apostle Price and Dr. Betty, and we want to emulate their success. However, are we really willing to give our lives to God completely to do as he pleases? Or are we only willing to give the Lord a portion of our lives at our convenience? In other words, we're here on a Thursday night. Praise God. I'm sure that's pleasing to the Father because we have decided to give our life to be able to hear something that he's imparting to us to help us grow as believers. That's a good thing. However, do you know there are Christians all over the country who don't even think about, I mean, that's a lot. Some of them don't have gotten to a point where they don't even come on Sundays because that's like, we just rather turn on TV, that's enough. Because we can sit there with our coffee and you know have our donuts and be happy with that. We're not even we're not going to do the extra. A lot of people are do, getting to the point where they don't want to do the extra. But if you sit up and you listen to 
you know, and you can pick whoever. I mean, of course I said the Apostle and Dr. Betty because they're our founders, but you can think of any person that's in the Word that you feel is living a successful life. I guarantee you they are going to tell you how they have given their life over to the purpose of God. They are not sitting saying, oh, well, it's Sunday night football, so hey, huh, I have to go do that. And now football comes on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and then we have these other shows that come on, so oh, we can't go to Bible study because Grey's Anatomy is coming on tonight, or whatever. People start to make different things in their lives the priority. So therefore, okay, they're not going to necessarily have the same success as those who have chosen to give their lives over to the Lord. Think about it simply this way. You know how, have I don't know if any of you ever have, I'm sure you have. We've all at some point, we had to go to school. I mean, you know, you can even go back to kindergarten if you want. There was always like these students that seemed like, these were the little goody two-shoes. They always got A's. They were so excited when the report cards came so they could go run home and show other people. Then there were some students, especially if they mailed the report cards, they were trying to get there before the mail came home so they get tired and see the report card, okay? But here's the thing. Some of those students, they got A's. Now, it is true that maybe they were just gifted and their intellect was their gifting and they just automatically got A's, but a lot of them worked at it. A lot of them actually went home, they did their homework, did the lessons, did whatever, and this is why they got A's. For some people who were just getting D's and F's, they had to work at that too. Work at not doing the homework, not paying attention to class, not doing what was required of them. And there was a difference. All I'm saying to you is, we have to consider that too. When you look at how some people that you're trying to emulate seem like they're doing so well, it costs them something. It cost them putting their flesh under and living their lives for the Lord. And that has a lot to do with why they are having such good success. And guess what? God is no respecter of persons, so there's absolutely no reason that we can't as well. Agreed? Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul also wrote to believers in Ephesus because one of the things that the Apostle Paul did, which I think is very nice, is he was always trying to encourage us. He really, really, all of the different Christians, he really, really tried to encourage us, and he was really trying to explain to the church in Ephesus the importance of love. So turn to Ephesians, the third chapter, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 21. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, and I'm just going to share it out of two translations. Wow, look at that. So the first one I'm going to share it with is out of the Living Bible, and it says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of his plan, I, now this is Paul writing this, okay? I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth, that out of his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you the mighty inner strengthening of his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves. Though it is so great that you will never see the end of it, 
or fully know or understand it. And so, at last, you will be filled up with God himself. Now, glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. May he be given glory forever and ever through endless ages because of his master plan of salvation for the church through Jesus Christ. Now, if we look at this in the message, it's a little simpler. It says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father, who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Tests its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you ever could imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. The point being is that's what he wants for us. I mean, he wants us to have the most marvelous, fantastic life. But notice what it said. We need to make sure that that love that we know, first of all, it's there, but that we get it rooted deep down within us. You know, if you think of a mighty oak tree, which really, interesting enough, starts out as a little acorn, and it's known as one of the greatest trees that we know of, the roots run deep. Well, that's how the love of God should be in us. It should run deep. And you know what? It's okay if after us spending time with this, you realize, wow, this is not, you know, I need to kind of tweak my love walk a little bit more, that's okay. That's why we constantly learn. There is nothing wrong with learning. The moment you get to a point where you think you know everything, that's when you are in real trouble, okay? So just realize that there are some things that maybe you can do a little bit differently. You know, like I remember when I was, well, I wasn't born again at the time, and I was a child. And I used to, my mother used to always think everybody was so sweet. Like she'd go around calling people sweetheart and sweetie. And I used to think, why does she do that? These people, why does she think they're so sweet? I don't think they're sweet. Because in my mind, that's what I was thinking. But notice what it says. When I was a child, you spake as a child. You thought as a child. The point being is sometimes as a believer, you have to develop some things within yourself so that you get to that point. And it's kind of funny because I sit and, boy, what do I do? I do the same thing. I think everybody's sweet. I think everybody's loving. I want love to ooze out of me. I literally do. That's my goal. I want people to just oh, see me and think love. That's really, really what I want. Because, see, I know if I'm doing that, then they're seeing a reflection of God in me. That's my goal. 
So I think it's something that all of us can do and should be encouraged to do. So we're already in Ephesians. Just flip right over to the fifth chapter. We're just going to look at the second verse. And I'm just going to share it out of the Amplified and the Message. So it'll be really quick. Ephesians 5, verse 2. And it says, And walk continually in love. That is value one another. Practice empathy and compassion. Unselfishly seeking the best for others. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and sacrifice to God. Slain for you. So that it became a sweet fragrance. That is beautiful. If we look at it in the message, it says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. And that's, again, the key. Don't look for somebody to be giving you something because you're kind and loving to them. Do it because your father does it. You were his child. So guess what? A tree is known how? By the fruit it bears. So I want to always be a reflection. Now, I know I am so far from perfect. It's, you know, none of us are perfect. We get that. But the whole point is, God appreciates our progress. The fact that we try, he appreciates that, and he honors it. Now, you're already still in Ephesians. Just drop down the same chapter. Stay in chapter 5, but drop down to verse 25. And we're going to read verses 25 through 28. I'm going to do the same thing out of the Amplified and the Message. So, verse 25, and this, is, this hits home for a lot of people. Husbands, love your wives. Here's the qualifier. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with caring, unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God. Not your word, but the word of God. So that in turn, he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy, set apart for God and blameless. Even so, husbands should and are morally obligated to love their own wives as being, in a sense, their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. I mean, it just makes sense when you think about it. Now, if you look at it, the message says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. Just makes total, complete sense. Now, the great news is that we always can follow the example of Jesus and we can always be inspired by him. So switch over really quickly to John's Gospel. Wow, I think I'm going to actually be able to finish this. To John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, and we're going to look at verse 9. John 15, verse 9. 
And it says, as the Father loved me, this is Jesus speaking, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide means to live, to dwell, to take residence. Never leave that place, okay? If we look at it in the Amplified, it says, I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. That is so key. Do not ever take your relationship with Christ and bring it down the, to the level of the relationships you've had with other people because people always, always have the ability to disappoint you, okay? But that is not the God whom we serve. He will not. His love is unconditional and it is everlasting forever and ever and always. And we're going to press the pause button right there because as you can tell, my time is up. So when we come back, we'll finish with that. And then I just have a couple of other, well, a few other things that I want to share with you. So we're going to press the pause button on this for now. Here's what your assignment is. Remember I said that you would have one? Your assignment is simple. I want you to think about your love walk. Think about what you feel you can do to improve it. In other words, think about how you in general can be more loving to every single person that you come in contact with. That's, not, that's a tall order, but I really want you to think about it. And I want you to just jot down some of the things that you've come up with. I mean, you know, you might find that, oh, I could call people, you know, and check on them every now and then. You know, like I have family members that I saw them at the last reunion, and that was like eight years ago. You know, I don't really know how cousin so-and-so is doing. Maybe I should give her a call, you know, or him a call. Or maybe I should see if there's something that I can make myself available to do. Not that I'm trying to get anything from it. See, that's something that's so important, too. Know that you're called for a purpose. We all know that. Know that whatever... See, because many of us are multi-talented. See, that's the other thing. I mean, it's wonderful because we all have a purpose. We all have gifts. We all have talents. And many of us have many of them. But the key is, remember, you are living your life or you're supposed to live your life for for God, not for yourself. So it's a matter of the timing of how he wants you to flow and utilize that particular gift at his appointed time, not your own. And in doing all of that, the more that you are operating in this force of love, it will become even more and more clear to you. So I want you to start thinking about that and jot some of that stuff down. Then when we come back together and probably revisit this, it's not going to be until the first week in December. And that's going to be probably a what's on your mind, which we're not going to have again until December. And I'm going to bring back up this assignment, and I'm going to see how many of you have really done it. You'll have all of this time, because guess what? Thanksgiving is coming up. You might find that you could actually utilize some of these things that you thought about during Thanksgiving, you know, like maybe you can pick up a can of cranberry sauce and share it with somebody on the street. You know, you never know. Let God lead you, but that's what your assignment is. Think about what it is that you can do to be able to walk in the love of God more freely in your life. 